Today's scripture is on page 897 of the Pew Hymnal. It's John 11, verses 28 through 44. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but he was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how, they see, how, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take the stone, away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I say this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. It is a chilly morning today. That's the weather in Missouri just changes on us, doesn't it? Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Howard Pinata. I'm the pastoral resident here at King's Cross. If you've been with us the last several well months, we've been going through the gospel of John and Pastor Ryan last week brought the word and he reminded us that suffering, not one ounce of our suffering is wasted. That every single thing in our life God uses for his glory and for our good. And though circumstances may be hard, God is always with us through it all. And so we find ourselves again here in John chapter 11 verses 28 through 44. And it's a very emotional text. There's a lot going on. I don't know how you experience that when you read it. I don't know if it brings up memories or if it reminds you of a loved one that's passed. But I know for me, this past week, what it did, it actually reminded me of my, my grandma. See, there was a time where, where me and my grandma, we didn't have a good relationship because we just weren't really around her physically. And later in life, around the age of 16, 17, I began to get to know my grandma. And I just would go to her house and start gardening for her, helping her do things around the house. And our relationship grew. And what was so unique about my relationship with my grandma is that she actually led my mom to faith. 
And my mom would be the person God would use to lead me to faith. So grandmas continue to pray and see God move. But I want to say this, is that through that, I saw my grandma do all these amazing things. And, and she's the one that told me, and I'll never forget this. She said to me, my abuelita, she said, no matter how many times I open up God's word and I read it, God is always so, showing me something new every single time. At her age, walking with Jesus, she said those words. So we had a very special relationship. Sadly, she would get sick. And she would suffer a stroke. And things looked like they were going on an upturn, that she was getting better. But then she suffered seven strokes in one month. I never knew what a hospice was. And I discovered what it was. I remember praying and people praying that she'd be healed. But the Lord decided to take her. And I remember feeling that despair in my soul, the loss of a loved one. When we read this text in John 11, there is these, there's this, this sense of despair that Mary is feeling. She's in the valley of despair with what she's facing. Look at verse 28. When she said this, she went and she called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was, she saw him. She fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Mary is in the face Dealing with the very, the face of death, dealing with the very despair of the loss of someone. She's dealing with the loss of someone and she is fighting hard with her own emotions. She's dealing with the reality. She set expectations upon Jesus. She wanted Jesus to come and heal her brother. She would see her brother slowly decay. She would see her, bro her brother slowly pass away. She's in the valley of despair. So this morning, we find ourselves dealing with a very hard text. But before I go any further, let me take this time to ask the Lord for help. Would you pray with me? Because this is a very hard text. Very emotional. So, Father, we come before you this morning, knowing the reality that we all come in this room with different experiences, but we've all experienced the loss of life, and it's never easy. It's a very emotional thing. 
that, lust, that at times leaves us feeling despair and feeling helpless and hopeless and feeling and asking the question that Mary asked, where are you, Jesus, in my suffering? Where are you in this situation? So, Lord, would you open our eyes to see how you confront death, how you deal with death? Would you show us the position of your heart toward death? And would you show us, Lord, how death is not the final answer. Death is not the final end of the life of those who are in Christ. Would you show us that resurrection hope today? Would you stir faith in our hearts, O oh God? That your word would transform, convict, and change us today. That when we walk out of here, we just didn't receive a couple of songs that we like to hear we didn't receive a pep talk, but we received revelation, word from you, oh God, how we are to live and believe in you. So help me, Lord, for I'm just a man in need of your power. Help me, oh God, in Jesus' name, amen. Mary is feeling despair. And what she's saying to Jesus is this. Jesus, you're too late. If you would have been here, if you just would have been here, there would have been a change. My brother didn't need to die, Jesus, but because you weren't here, because you took your time coming, Jesus, my brother is gone. Don't you care? We have to see how Mary's very heart is exposed to her grief, to her anguish, to her sorrow, to her suffering. She's broken. She's broken at the loss of seeing her brother die. But it also reveals that Mary's unbelief, that Jesus was able to turn things around, that Jesus was able to bring back Lazarus from the dead. She did not believe that Jesus was able to. And what we'll see in the text is that it's not just Mary, but it's Martha. It's the mourners, the people who are weeping and crying. They're dealing with unbelief, and Jesus, the good shepherd, is going to lead them to show them the resurrection hope. He's going to show them that their grief does not end at death, but he's going to provide hope. But what I want us to see in this text, early on off, it's the very despair, that, va that valley of despair that Mary is going through. If she did believe that Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead, her position would have been different. She probably would have been like, hey, it's okay. Lazarus is going to die. Jesus is coming in a couple days. Let's just relax. Let's kick back. It's going to be okay. He's going to do a miracle and the people are going to come and they're going to believe upon the Messiah, Jesus. But that's not how Mary responds in the face of her circumstances. She thought Jesus was too late. 
I think this text confronts us with the truth. I think it confronts us with the challenge. I think we should ask ourselves, the very valleys of despair that we have been in, or the valleys of despair we might be in now. How do we respond? How do we respond in these valleys of despair? When things are so hard, when we begin to question God and say, God, where are you? I need you. Why are you allowing this sickness to take someone I love? Why am I dealing with this pain? Why am I dealing with this hurt? Why, Jesus, where are you in this? I think we have to ask ourselves, what are we truly believing in those moments? And I think it reveals our unbelief at times. And that's you, man, welcome to the family. We all struggle with unbelief. But what Jesus wants to do today, he wants to change our unbelief. He wants to change our view of unbelief and he wants to confront it head on and transform our view. He wants to remind us that Jesus is not late in dealing with situations. That your prayers don't go unanswered. No prayer is too small for God. No situation is too hard for God to deal with. God wants to hear from us. And in our valley of despairs, we should call upon him. He's always on time. He's always listening. And that should be comforting, comforting to us today. Have y'all heard the expression of CPT time? Have y'all heard that before? Some of y'all don't know what that is? Okay, that's all right. I'm gonna tell you what it is. So CPT time is what we call colored people time. For Latinos, we're notoriously late. Can I get an amen? Amen, thank you brother, thank you pastor. He knows I'm always late to everything. Jesus has his own timing. It's called GPT time. God's providential timing. He's always on time, on time, every time. He will not fail you. He will deal with what he needs to deal with in the prayer request that you ask him. When you ask God, he hears your prayer. He sees you. He knows you. And I think that's a reminder as we look at this text today is that Jesus is actually physically there with Mary in this greatest time of despair. He's on time. Now, I want us to look at something very, very different today. If you've grown up going to church, you've heard this text preach. You've heard people talk about how Jesus is empathizing with Mary and the mourners. But I want to go a little deeper today. I want us to look at verses 33 and see something and ask some questions. Read with me verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping 
That's Mary. And the Jews had come with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? When we read this text, it seems that Jesus is just weeping over the death of Lazarus. But if we dive deeper and we look at the Greek, something else begins to emerge. Something else begins to come forth, and this is what comes forth. When you look at the word deeply moved in the Greek, it actually means like the snorting of anger, like a horse snorting with anger. Or another way of putting it, Jesus is outraged. So this isn't weepy, crying eye Jesus over the death of Lazarus. He is weeping. But he's outraged. It says that he's greatly troubled. That means that he was agitated. He was stirred up. But why? What would cause Jesus to be outraged? Why would Jesus be so angry of what he's seen? Well, I think it's important that we give a little context to what's going on that we don't see in the text here. But it has more to do with the Jewish traditions. So first, it was common amongst Jewish, Jewish tradition, according to the Mishnah, to actually have a minimum of two flute players and a professional wailing woman. So there was a professional crier there and a small little band at minimum. But we know that Mary and Martha are not, well, they're not poor. We can deduce that because we can see that Mary spends, she opens this expensive perfume and she pours it on Jesus. She anoints Jesus with this perfume that costs a year's salary. So I think Jesus is outraged at number one, at seeing the false lamenting that's happening. Jesus is also angered with the very face of death. The very enemy that has plagued humanity, he's angered with. He's also angered at the unbelief, knowing that he would perform this miracle and people would still not believe. Can you imagine that? Someone being dead for four days. I know we've heard articles of like people who were like, like, like they said they, were, they died and they're like, oh yeah, he was dead for like a day and then he wakes up in the funeral home or she wakes up they're like, oh my God, they're alive. Like that's one thing. But this was four days. Four days being dead. And he was sick prior to that with a disease that leads to death. And people would see Lazarus raised from the dead. And they still did not believe. And I think he's angered at that. And lastly, I think he's angered that Mary and the people 
are grieving without resurrection hope. And I'm going to tell you why. When you look at the word weeping in verse 33 in the Greek, that word actually means kaleo, which means to shed tears before calamity. And the way Jesus wept is the way you and I would just cry and weep. The way they cried, sorry about that. The way they cried was this ugly, screaming, crying, this wailing in their hearts. And I think Jesus saw that, that they were crying without resurrection hope, as though like death was the final thing. That's what I believe Jesus is angered about. He's angered at seeing all these things happen in the unbelief of the people. He is outraged. Because that's not the way it's supposed to be. By design, we were supposed to live forever. By design, we were supposed to live forever. But because sin entered the world, death followed. I think Jesus is angered at death. But he just doesn't get outraged at death. His anger moves to grief. In verse 35, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. He's weeping over Lazarus. From his anger and his outrage to grief, now he's going to confront death. He's going to deal with the very issue he's outraged about. He just doesn't let it be. He does something about it. Look at verse 38. Then Jesus deeply moved again. That's that outrage. He came to the tomb and it was a cave. And a stone lay against it. It was sealed. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Listen to Martha's unbelief. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time, there'll be an odor. For he has been dead for four days. If Martha would have believed that Jesus was a resurrection and he was the life and that Jesus was able to raise Lazarus from the dead, she would have been all the more excited to remove the stone. Don't we see that her response reflects her belief? Her response reflects her belief of what she truly believes. She doesn't believe that Jesus can raise him because she's worried about the smell. She could have responded and said, watch what Jesus is about to do. He's about to raise my brother from the dead. But Martha, she's dealing with unbelief. But Jesus is gonna show her. He's not gonna leave her without any hope. Jesus doesn't leave us without any hope. He does something about it. 
But watch what happens here. So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you have sent me. Back to what Pastor Ryan was talking about last week, that not one ounce of our suffering is wasted. We see here in this text that Jesus now is going to perform this miracle and he's doing this outward prayer so people can hear. He wants them to believe. He wants to deal with their unbelief. He wants to deal with their grief. He wants to deal with their doubts. He wants them to see that he is the son of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. As John tells us in John chapter one. And Jesus confronts death. He confronts death and he deals with death. Verse 43. When he had said these things. He cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. I was just making sure you're awake when I said that. Notice the command that Jesus gives. He speaks it with authority. He speaks it with authority because he has authority over life and death. Jesus is sovereign over life and death, and he's about to give life back again. The God we serve is a God who's able to give life. He's able to remove death's cold grip and his clutches on the life of Lazarus, to release him from that hold. For he is the king, the champion, the victor over death. And with this command, Lazarus, well, Lazarus responds. It's important to see. It's important to stop and to think for a moment of what's about to happen. Lazarus has been, been dead for four days. His body has not moved. His blood has not circulated. His neurological system has not functioned. And for the very first time in four days, blood will begin to circulate. His heart will begin to beat. His lungs will be filled with air. He'll in inhale fresh air once again. His brain activity will begin to activate once again. There was a physiological response that was instantaneous in this moment. And if we're not surprised by that, man, family, that should surprise us. Seeing a dead man being dead for four days in this instantaneous reanimation. He came back to life at the very command of Jesus. Who is Jesus? 
Well, we read and see he is able to speak to that which is dead and bring it to new life. Verse 44, the man who had died came out with his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. See, Jesus alone has the authority and the power to do this. And Jesus has this burning hatred and anger toward sin and death. And he deals with it as an example here with Lazarus. He's Lazarus, he's his Lazarus champion to defeat the foe that Lazarus could not defeat. In the face of death, Lazarus receives life from the king of the universe. God allows death to happen to us, family. We see that Lazarus dies, and it was God's will that he died. It was also his will that he get glory from his death. And we know, spoiler alert, Lazarus dies eventually again. You know, but I'm sure that did something to Lazarus. I'm sure that experience changed Lazarus forever. I'm sure he, could, he would tell all his friends and his buddies, man, I remember when I was dead for four days. You know, you want to tell me about your near death experience? I'll tell you how I was dead for four days. I'm sure that changed Lazarus. The way he lived his life, he experienced resurrection, a glimpse of it, of the eternal resurrection. And I think for us today, family, we can look at, we can look at Lazarus' story and begin to ask, man, do we have that same kind of resurrection hope here and now, the way we live? Because see, this, this text should transform the way we live. How does this truth, this story, change what we believe about Jesus? It should transform the way we live, and we should live with this resurrection hope in mind, because I'm going to tell you what Jesus' death, what Jesus' death, how it's connected with Lazarus. Lazarus' story foreshadows what will happen to Jesus. Jesus was dead in a tomb for three days. He didn't come out bound up, but he had his clothes neatly folded and placed. He didn't come out with a mortal body. He came out with a resurrection body. Jesus' death shows us and points to us that he, according to Hebrews verse two, chapter 2, verse 9, that he tasted death for you and I. See, for the Christian, though we die, we will live. Death does not have the final say on our lives. Death is victory, is no longer a victory any longer. Jesus has the victory. Death no longer has its sting. Jesus came 
to defeat death once and for all. He destroyed the power of death and the devil. Humanity is broken. How do we know that? Because we all die. We all die. If Jesus is not your hope today, I want to tell you, without Jesus, fear is your future. Hopelessness is a reality. Death is the end. That is a hard truth. But with Jesus, man, fear is not our future. Fear is not our end. Suffering and pain is just a momentary thing that will pass away. It's a momentary thing that will pass away. Death is not your end. And all we must do to have a future, to have a living resurrection hope, is to look to Jesus, trust in him. As he performs this miracle of a man who was dead, who comes alive, it's supposed to do something in our hearts. And it's supposed to make us ask the question, man, do I have that resurrection hope? So today, family, as we go forward in life and this week, I want to let you know you can have resurrection hope. You can have life. All you got to do is believe in the one God sent. He sent his son for you and me. Would you stand with me as I pray? Lord, in you we have true everlasting life, a life that is like no other, a life that can face death and not weep or lament in despair. We can grieve with resurrection hope. In you we can face life with the assurance of that hope in the face of diseases in the face of illness, in the face of extreme loss, in the face of death. Would you show us, Lord, that our lives do not end when we close our eyes and take our last breath? That according to your word, in the twinkle of an eye, we will be transformed and brought into your presence where we await the great resurrection day. We await when you will make all things new and the suffering and these, and these diseases and death will be no more, Lord. But would you remind us we've been given hope. Hope has a name. Hope is you, Lord. 
Would you stir faith in our hearts, Lord, this day? That no matter the valley of despair that we may be in, no matter the disappointment that we think we faced without you answering and we just, we didn't get the answer what we wanted, would you show us, Lord, that you're always with us? You're always on time. Our suffering is not wasted. Our lives matter to you. You loved Lazarus. You wept for Lazarus. As you weep for Lazarus, Lord, you've wept for us. That's the kind of love you have for us, Lord. Lead us to believe that truth. Lead us to live with resurrection hope. We ask and we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.